Welcome back to the Film Obsessed Couple. I am Shelly. And I'm Scott. How's everybody doing? Yeah, how's everybody doing today? I hope you're doing good. So we are now in April, Mm -hmm. right? Mystery Month. This is our first mystery movie. Yes, it is. Okay. (laughs) I'm looking at Scott like, I am right, right? Because we record these so early, I have to think... When is this going to come out for everybody else? Right. We're in the beginning of um, Daylight Savings Time Just Happened. Give you an idea. It's the Sunday after. So this shows you how early we record them. So if we're like, happy April. Yeah. <laughs> we're, you know, and, and like we've said before, if we start getting feedback or requests and stuff, you know, we, we can implement those. So maybe we're not recording so early. Oh, definitely. Yeah. If you have suggestions, we're good with going off the rails. I mean, it doesn't have to be a mystery. If you're just all like, hey, I want to see what you guys think of XYZ movie mm-hmm. and, and we'll do it. Yeah. No we're, trouble doing that. We're here for you. So today we are going to be doing Fargo. Yes. Which I have seen before, but it had been so long. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of didn't remember a lot. Yeah. And when I did a little research on it, it it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's very funny. I mean, everybody is always like, wait, it's not based on a true story? Because that at the beginning always throws people off. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great movie. The Coen brothers, they do so many great movies that hopefully would do more on the podcast. Or if not, we can just watch. But No Country for Old Men, they did that movie. Okay. One of my favorites. My parents absolutely hate that oh. movie. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have a lot of bad stuff in it? No. Uh, well, you mean like cursing and stuff? Not that I can remember. They're really just the ending. For people who have seen that movie, the mo- the ending just kind of happens all of a sudden. And a lot of people were thrown off. When I saw it in theaters, there were some people that were like, what? That was oh, it? Oh, gosh. But yeah, my parents absolutely hate that movie. And it's one of my favorites. So I don't know how they would feel about Fargo. Probably not good because of all the cursing and the nudity. Well, they're not much nudity, but the sex. Oh, I see. Yeah, I. it reminded me of, uh, there was a teacher, I don't know, gosh, I was like in elementary or something. And they were like, hey, would you like a movie that just abruptly stopped and didn't, you know, answer all your questions or Mm -hmm. sum everything up? And I'm like, well, maybe. Yeah. Because then you can just make your own ending in your head. Of course, now I don't think that. Yeah. But it was so funny when I was younger. And the teacher even kind of looked at me a little like, what? (laughs) And she went on to direct No Country for Old Men, Shelley did. No. Now we really need to watch it because I feel I don't feel like it does that to you. I know we're going off on a different Coen Brothers movie, but I don't feel it does it. It okay. leaves you, like, if you watch the movie, it, it, it sums pretty much everything up. Oh, okay. It's just the ending is like, whoa, I guess I didn't expect it was going to end right there. Mm. But Fargo. Yeah, Fargo, like you said, it, it, said, it opens up and it's like, this is a true story. And, oh, did that one scary movie, did it come out before or after this? The uh, Blair Witch. I think after, because wasn't that in the late 90s? Let me take a look. Yeah, look at that. Was this the first movie that said it was based on a true story, maybe? Right. That's what I was thinking, if, if Blair Witch came first or... 1999. And when was this one? 96. <laughs> 96. Okay. So then the Blair Witch probably copied off of this. Yeah, I don't know. It Boy, those movies really started to do that. Like, there were so many horror movies that were, like, based on true events. But the Blair Witch really went out and was like selling things yes the they people had like were, merch yeah on it. and people were wondering if those people really died yeah i bought into that whole Blair Witch <laughs> yes. thing i remember being in if if you guys are around 
Springfield, if you remember Hastings, or I'm sure there were other places that had Hastings, but it was um, mm. a movie in a video place. Yeah. Or in a music. Books and stuff. I went for music. I went for books and, and, and music and movies. And I was like, the outside of it was all books and I never went there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, go to the middle where all the music is. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing all the Blair Witch merch. Oh, really? And in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that really happened. But then, you know, I found out later it did not. Well, there's another movie in the 70s, I think it was, called Cannibal Holocaust. Where it's these people run into like a cannibal tribe and Ooh. get killed and stuff. And it looked really real at the time. And people thought that that was real. I don't think it said based on a true story. But that I think the director was investigated for like murder. No. Oh. Uh, because like he, I don't think he would let the actors do interviews just to give that sense that the movie was real. Wow. So that's, it wasn't based on a true story. But that's the first time where people were like, I think this is real. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe not the first, but the, at least that I can remember. Well, the the reason why the Coen Brothers put that it's on a true story is that so it would lure more people in. Yeah. And so since they were, they won an Academy Award, maybe they had something going there. Maybe so. Yeah. I also read that, that they wanted people to just suspend their disbelief to be like, and, and, and I was thinking about this last night, another Francis McDormand movie. Uh, we did three billboards. Yeah. They kind of fucked with us like that too, saying they that did. that movie was kind of based on a true story. It wasn't Coen Brothers that. It did was that not. One, right? No, but it was her. She was in it. So like we watched Three Billboards, and I'm under the impression or had heard that it was based on a true story. So like when you get to the end of that movie, I'm like, but this can't be true. Maybe it's kind of like this one because it's like not completely true, mm-hmm. but inspired by. Yeah, maybe so. Well, I think there was, with that movie, I remember the director saying he saw a billboard for like a missing person. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what would that be like if a mother took out billboards for a missing daughter in a town that didn't care or something like that? Yeah. Because spoiler for that movie, at the end, she and the deputy partner up to go kill this guy they think is the murderer of her daughter. So when we get to that, I'm like, this can't be real. Like, yeah, they wouldn't show no. this if this was a true story. No. So immediately I looked it up, but I think... Fargo does a lot better job. Yeah, yeah. But they wanted people to just be like, well, this really happened. Because, you know, if you're watching a movie and you don't think it's real, you might kind of nitpick it more. Mm-hmm. Well, the Minnesotians did think this was real, and they really went to go search for the money. Oh, my God. So um, they weren't real happy when they found out. And I I'm, I think it's probably just a couple of people. Yeah. And Hell, if there was like almost a million dollars buried out there somewhere, I might take a day. Yeah, it's it's a million minus, what, 80? Is that what he took yeah, out? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, I mean, still a lot. Yeah. All you um, math people can figure that out. Well, what we didn't realize, it hadn't been made, the show hadn't been made at this point, but later in the Fargo show, Oliver Platt's character, they're driving along the side of the road, his family, and they're miserable, and they're broke and stuff, mm-hmm. and he finds that briefcase, and that's how he becomes like a successful supermarket magnate guy yeah in the show so that's how it kind of connects that's cool yeah so those people shouldn't have looked for it because it was already found by that guy in the show that would come out years later <laughs> that's right it was already found <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh but like i said this movie was inspired by true events so a crime did happen and i'll give you just a short story of what happened in 1979 a pilot married one of the flight attendants They had three kids, and in 1985, the flight attendant found out her pilot was cheating. Mm. So on November 
18th of 1986 was the last time anybody saw the flight attendant because the pilot murdered her, put her in a freezer, cut her up with a chainsaw, and then put her through a wood chipper. Mm. So the pilot only served 31 of his 50 years and was released January of 2020. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. All of this I found on Creepy Catalog, which I will put uh, the references in the show notes with a little link if you want to. There's more stuff that you can read. That was just a very brief summary of what happened just because I like true crime and I had to say it. Jeez. Yeah. It's two years later. Where the hell is that guy at? I know. I'm like, oh, if you're sadistic enough to chop a body up and put it through a wood chipper, my word. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't get shot in the leg by a cop and arrested immediately after. Yeah. Well, he did get arrested, so maybe he did, but he's out. Oh. Which I wonder if that's what happened to the character in this movie. His name's Geyer, I think his name was in the movie. His name's Peter Stomeyer is the actor. Yeah. Geyer Grimsmond or whatever his name is, but like, would he be out already at this point? <laughs> maybe. But he killed more than just one person. He killed quite a few, yes. Yeah. So we open up with some, what I call, harrowing music. Mm -hmm. I was just all like, oh, somebody's coming to the rescue of something. Yes, yeah, it's just kind of like a a miserable snowy road, and this car just kind of cuts through it in the distance as you see it's coming, and you're just like, oh, this seems like a miserable place to be, and, and this car is towing another car with it. Yeah, it was like they're almost two identical cars towing each other. Mm-hmm, or yeah. One towing the other one. Anyway, but it was William H. Macy who played Jerry Lengard. Lengard. Lundergard. Lundergard. Yes. Jerry Lundergard. It's spelled so funny. It's strange, yes. I have all these red squiggly lines underneath these last names because they're <laughs> they're all like word is like they are spelled wrong yes but that's how they're spelled it's l-u-n-d-e-g-a-a-r-d yes i, I just know that because i've seen this movie a bunch but the show doesn't do any better either there's a character named lester nygaard kind of <laughs> similar to lundergaard but i guess they named that character after a critic in the imdb trivia oh. uh, i can't remember his first name but his last name was lundergaard oh. movie critic and they, the the story is is that when this critic saw the movie, he went up to the Cohen brothers and jokingly said, like, you'll be hearing from my lawyers. Because oh. they took his name, but he was kidding. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm famous now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, movie, very, very successful. William H. Macy got nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Frances McDormand won. Did they win for screenplay, for writing? I, I can look that up, but I, I would imagine that they would have. I don't think they won Best Picture. Yeah, I didn't look all that up. The only thing, and and we had two different uh, references, but my reference said that Macy did not originally try for the role of Jerry Lundergaard. He first tried for a smaller role, but then the Coen brothers were like, hey, we think you might be a better fit for this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, if that was me as an actor, I'd be like, holy shitballs, this is my dream. Every actor would love that. Yes. Yeah, I was. I flipped through the IMDb trivia here just to get kind of stories or whatever. But uh, first off, they did win for Best Screenplay, Best Writing. Okay. Uh, but the thing they said is that William H. Macy, like, fought for this role. He, you know, he kept trying to contact the brothers and see where they were at and kept telling them, like, this is the part for me. I know I can do this. Yeah, and our then, reference is a little different. Yeah. <laughs> In the IMDb trivia, and who knows how correct it could be, I know there's some weird ones on there, but 
It says that when he heard that they were getting ready to start the movie, he flew out to New York where they were staying at the time. And he was like, this is my role. You have to give it to me. And then it says he jokingly threatened to murder their dogs. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that so much just because I don't even think he was that big of an actor at the time. So would you just jump on a plane and go? Gosh, I don't know what he had done at that point. I think he was a big theater actor too. Mm. But yeah, yeah, that's apparently what it says. Who knows if it's true or not. But well, My reference was the yard barker, which I'll, again, link that in the show notes. Who knows? We're just really glad he got it because he, he was perfect for it. Yeah, did not win the Oscar. He lost to Cuba Gooding Jr. for yeah. Jerry Maguire. Jerry McGuire was so huge, too. It was big. And, of course, you have a catchphrase like, show me the money. Yeah. And he did, he gave that amazing speech where he just, like, was screaming at the top of his lungs, like, thanking everybody. Went on for, like, ten minutes. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and just, I guess, back up before we start all this. They did really well money-wise in this movie. Mm-hmm. Their budget was only $7 million. And they ended up bringing in uh, $60.6 million. Yeah, it was huge. Jesus. It was huge. And I think it was pretty big on home video, too. Yeah. I mean, good for them. I mean, it's it's so exciting when you see something succeed, especially something small Mm -hmm. succeed. That's what I hope for us, anyway. (laughs) Yes. They had done some good movies beforehand. They did a movie called Blood Simple. Probably the other movie everyone knows them for at that time was Raising Arizona with Nick Cage. Okay. And Holly Hunter, where they steal a baby. Ooh. It's a really funny movie. I know it sounds pretty rough, oh, okay. but it's it's a funny, funny movie. But yeah, they did this and they just were skyrocketed to fame. Yeah. That's great. But anyway, we went over that there was some harrowing music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jerry. It, it is Jerry Lundergaard driving this car and he pulls up to a bar. Yeah. Uh, the King of Clubs bar where he meets Steve Buscemi, mm-hmm. who plays Carl Showalter. Showalter. Uh, these names are going to really get me. <laughs> and uh, Peter Stomayer. And Lord help us with that name because it's like Guy or Grimsmund or whatever. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't think they say his name in there. But it starts off and Steve is just pissed because I'm going to call him Macy. Was supposed to be there at 730. Shows up at 830. Yeah, they're sitting there and it's funny because they have a few bottles of beer like already. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> and that's he says something like uh Steve Buscemi nods to Peter Stomare and he's mad and he's like he's already peed twice <laughs> <laughs> which I'd be like I probably would have peed like 10 times if I drank that much alcohol yeah but it's so funny like William H Macy is just insane in this movie he's so great cuz he's just yeah. you can really feel like it's a guy who the the walls are closing in on him from every aspect of his life and he just he's not he doesn't have a backbone, basically, so he's trying to fight his way out of it. So even at the very beginning when they're like, we said 7.30, and he's like, well, well, gosh, gosh, your ship said seven or said 8.30. I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he's oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. Which, the crazy thing is, William H. Macy said that, like, he wasn't improvising. Like, in the script, written out were all of those errs and ums. Oh, wow. How crazy is that to learn where he's like, oh, no, er, uh, no. <laughs> what, was there an er before the um yeah. or the after the um? or? <laughs> Steve Buscemi's a little confused because we find out that they both know this man named Ship, and we later find out Ship Proudfoot. Oh, yeah, And yeah. he's like, Steve Buscemi's like, yeah, Ship told us what you want, but it doesn't make any sense. He said you want us to kidnap your wife. <laughs> he's like, exactly. 
Because her dad is rich. Yeah, Steve Buscemi questions him at first. He's like, that doesn't make sense. We ask for a ransom. You're going to pay it. So how do you get money out of this? And he's like, well, her her dad is, is rich. And, and they have a great line where they're just like, well, why don't you ask him for money? Why don't you ask him for money or ask? And I think Peter Stomare is like, ask your fucking wife. <laughs> and he's basically just like, no, I, I, no, I can't, can't do that. No. Yeah, and then he said to the, the dad would say no anyway. Yeah. Which, once you meet the dad, yeah, I believe that. So this whole plan is so dumb. It starts off with, so we find out later that Jerry is a car salesman. He is giving Steve Buscemi and Peter Stomare a car off his own lot. Why? I have no idea. But like, they're, because that's the plan. They're like, oh, did you bring the car? And he's like, oh yeah, burnt umber or, or burnt orange, whatever, no, t- Sierra. Mm-hmm. So like... Of course, if something goes wrong, it's going to come right back oh, to him. Yeah. yeah. And, and plus, there's dealer plates on the fucking thing. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't the brightest. And I don't know, asking shady people to kidnap my wife when I really don't want her hurt mm-hmm. is just, it seems wrong. Yeah, I guess I was thinking about this, like, why would he need this money? But I guess is he's trying to buy this lot. Which is another car lot, I'm assuming. Mm, I didn't really get... I just kind of thought he was bad at investing. I don't know. You know, I was thinking about it quite a bit last night. So he keeps coming up with this idea. He's like, oh, we can invest in this lot. It's like a million dollars or whatever. Oh, well, maybe. So I think he's wanting to open up another car lot. That'll be a good investment because his father-in-law and, and Stan Grossman say later. Um, so we find out that later he has done like a, a scam with like registering vehicles he's gotten like a loan for vehicles or whatnot yeah that don't even exist yeah so he's gotten like three hundred and fifty thousand there <laughs> and he'll have enough but there's no way that this would work like people oh. would wonder where this money came from for him to buy this stupid lot yeah you know it's just kind of like well this started the movie we'll see what happens yeah um so we meet his wife uh who is um his wife's name is Jean. Yeah, Kristen Rudd Rudd. <laughs> no, that's her real name. R-U-D-R-U-D. That's a funny last name. He does this uh, thing that he does later where he comes in with groceries. He's like, Han, got the groceries. And his wife, Jean, is making the dinner and her dad is there, which I just, I got a little scared of this dad. Can you imagine having this guy as like a father-in-law? No. Wade Gustafson is his name. They all sit down. He, the dad stays for dinner and they all sit down and uh, William H. Macy's son is there. I mean, the actor's son. And he's all like, yeah, I don't really want to be here. So I'm going to leave and go to McDonald's. <laughs> Scotty. Scotty <laughs> Lundergaard. <laughs> and then the dad's like, I don't know, was he talking to his daughter? Or... I think he's just talking. To, I think he's talking to Jerry because you you realize that he does not like Jerry. Yeah. He's all like, you know, they don't drink milkshakes at McDonald's. Which I was thinking, I'm like, was McDonald's a hangout spot in the 90s? I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I wasn't old enough to do that. I mean, I've seen kids hang out at Taco Bell. Really? You know, just recently. Not not recently, recently because it's cold, but yeah. like usually during the summer months, but... Um, so yeah, I could imagine they hang out at McDonald's and I guess they'd like deal dope or something. I don't know, drugs or smoking dope or what, but... Because they don't drink milkshakes there. <laughs> there is a great line when Macy comes in and sees that his father-in-law's in there. He talks to his wife and he's like, oh, is he staying for supper? 
And she's like, well, I think so. She's like, Dad, are you staying for supper? And from the other room, you just hear him go, oh, yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> He's watching the game. Yeah. He doesn't care. But this is where Jerry's asking him again about the lot. He brings it up again. And he's like, oh, you know, this lot this is a good investment, you know. It's 750000 I think Wade says something of like, he, he's like, I don't usually hear these things first. Stan Grossman, his sec- like right-hand man, hears them first. Mm-hmm. He says, this lot is a great investment. He's like, it would really take care of me, Gene, and Scotty. And the dad goes, Gene and Scotty never have to worry. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't give a shit about you. Yeah. He, what's well, his family, obviously. I don't know if, if you were a dad, would anybody be good enough for your daughter? I don't know, but if you're married and have a kid, I'm assuming they've been married for a while because Scotty is a teenager. I'm just be like, well, looks like this guy's the one, so I'm going to have to treat him as family. <laughs> but this guy, he hates Jerry. But Jerry doesn't have the backbone, and uh, Wade likes to walk all over people, so it works out. Mm, yeah. And then I think this is where we see them driving you see uh Buscemi and Stomare driving and Stomare is just smoking in this car with the mm-hmm. windows up the whole time they're driving Ew. but he says uh he wants to eat at Pancake's house yeah he wants to eat pancakes and get laid yeah and Buscemi's like we had pancakes earlier and he's like I want to eat pancakes house yeah. is how he says it's just so weird but yeah Buscemi's like look I have a place where we can get some pancakes and get laid yeah so, yeah, that's kind of what they do. Yeah, we see, I don't know if this is it, but we do see, like, the weirdest sex scene. If you guys listen to We Hate Movies, they reference this quite a bit, but they call it Fargo sex. No. Oh. Which is <laughs> having sex in a room with another person. <laughs> like, another couple oh, wow. going on at it. And, but, yes, they're in, like, a, a motel room with two beds. And, like, Buscemi and another la- a prostitute, and then Stomare and a prostitute are in the other bed, and they're just going at it. it. It's just so awkward. It's so weird, and then it cuts, and they're all just sitting there watching TV, like The Tonight Show. Yeah, like, cuddling, watching <laughs> TV. It's just, I, I can't even imagine, I don't know, I guess I I can't even wrap my brain around that, so. Ooh. Yeah, very strange, very, very weird, but. I couldn't help but think of that since I listened to We Hate Movies quite a bit, but I was like, Fargo sex. Yep. Ew. <laughs> Ew. So, William H. Macy is, is selling cars, and he's talking about, I, I thought it was <laughs> True Code. True Code, yeah. Because the accent's so thick. Uh-huh. True I Code. Really? I didn't realize it was coat. Like, not like a code. Yes. You type. It's it's a coat. Yeah. <laughs> And I read on IMDb that this thing, this exchange had happened to, I think, Ethan Cohen. Like, he had this verbatim when he was buying a car from a salesman. Oh, gosh. Cause I don't doubt it. He, Jerry does this later, but he basically had told this guy that they weren't going to do the true coat. And then he, you know, it comes on the car. And so he's basically springing it on him. The guy's like, you told me you had the car ready. You told me it was out in the lot. <laughs> and, yeah, it, it's very awkward, which... We were talking about this last night. I had a flashback to our own experience with a crazy car salesman. The first time I had to buy, like, my own car, well, I guess I should say the second time, I was a teenager still, and my parents helped. Mm -hmm. They they did most of, like, the negotiating and talking and stuff like that. So when my car died or was getting ready to, pretty old, we, you know, Shelly and I went and did looking around. So we went to the Nissan dealership here in town, and we got this shark of a salesman oh, he was like a hillbilly 
And I don't mean to use that stereotype, but I mean kind of close. Yeah, I mean just a country boy. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's not it's un it's not uncommon here in town to see mm-hmm. country folk and stuff. But we were talking to him, and and he was I was like, oh yeah, we I think we went and watched a movie that day. We watched The Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yeah. oh that's so and good. The guy was like, yeah, great movie. And the guy was like, what'd you guys do so far today? And I'm like, oh, we watched a movie. And he's like, I'm gonna go see a movie, Twelve Strong, about those <laughs> horse riders in Afghanistan. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. But we first off, we said we were like, well, we were thinking of used, and he immediately was like, well, used is across the street. We sell new here. And we're like, okay. And he's like, well, let me get some paperwork going here. Can I get your keys so I can get the mileage off your car and blah, blah, blah. So he does that, and we're kind of talking. And he comes back, and he does not give me my keys back. Mm-mm. He has not. He would not give me my keys back. Yeah, he wanted to automatically just, like, pull your credit, I think. Yes, he want, that's correct, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. He wanted me to sign some credit forms and stuff so they could pull it and see. And, and we were like... This is not what we wanted. Yeah, we're like, we need to know prices first before we even pull the credit Yeah, to know if we can afford it or not. Right. We were just trying to see, like, prices for cars to start with, trying to talk to this dude. And I think he pulled, like, a new Nissan out or something like that. Mm-hmm, he did. He pulled, like, a brand new one out, and we looked at it, and we were like, that's great, but we wanted to talk prices. <laughs> like, we need to see what this would cost. How and... much is it? <laughs> Which we were more prepared for the second, the, when I went and got my other one, and when you got yours, but I was like, hey, can I have my keys back? And he's like, oh, God, yep, sorry about that. Yeah, like, we couldn't leave? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know when we just got up and walked out but i have never felt so good to do yeah, that we we did we just left and we we're like you know what this doesn't feel good like does not feel good at all we're gonna head out and he's he's he threw one last line at me trying to like guilt me where he's like i was just trying to save you money yeah oh i wanted to punch him so bad <laughs> i was like dude you you have really made us feel uncomfortable we're out yeah it was it was the worst experience and it's so funny because when we went we went over to the used lot, and the guy that we got there, he took forever. He was new, but new, he yeah. was really nice. And then when we bought my car, the guy was really nice. Nicest guy, yeah. I mean, they, they did what we asked, so we bought the car. This guy felt like he was trying to do something tricky. Yeah, when we went to get yours again, because we, we bought mine used, but we did get Shelly's brand new. So we went back to the same area. I was I was like gearing up for a fight. I was basically, yeah. I was like, these guys are going to, they're going to trick us, man. They're going to try everything in the book. And the dude was super nice. Yeah. And I knew exactly which one I wanted on the lot. Mm-hmm. I had like the number and everything. Yeah. We really were prepared. <laughs> and he's like, well, let me see if I can find it. Yeah. So if we ever do that again, preparation is key. But yes, we had, we had a, sh- a snake salesman basically. Yeah. Ooh. But that's what's going on here. Yeah. Is that Jerry, he pulls a thing on him where he was like, let me go see if I can talk to the manager and what we can do about that true coat. Yeah. And he's like, it comes standard from the factory. But he just goes and talks to another guy about getting tickets to like a hockey game. Mm-hmm. Like going to see the Gophers. And the guy's like, are you kidding? But he comes back and he's like, well, he has never done this before. But he's willing to knock off $100 of that true coat. Yeah. Like, I, I, he, this is, he says it at some point, but he's like, you're a f- fucking liar. Yeah. Which, that makes me think that these people around here are so nice, and especially when we get to Mikey and Agita later, where it's like, even if something bad is happening, they're still nice. And so this guy is, like, so angry that he has to say fuck, and he can't even almost do it. I don't know. I kind of felt like he was mad, but the wife just 
kind of stay quiet. Yes, but it was just because he's just like fucking liar, <laughs> where he just almost can't say it, and then. But he's like, get me my goddamn checkbook. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I really need a car, so I'm going to have to buy it. Goodness. So, Jean, she she had to have the uh, mom talk with her son. Yes. Uh, because he was only getting C grades. Yeah, and they're like, that's what you can't let you go out for hockey. Yeah. I mean, jeez. But I'm like, C grades, that's not too bad in high school. I mean, come on. As long as he's not failing. I don't know. He's hanging out at the McDonald's too much. But yeah, he says fuck or something. I think he's like, this is fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. When um, uh, Jerry was going to make a phone call, he's like, he said something like, um, there's no fucking way. Yeah. And then the, they were both like, language. Yeah. They were like, hey, whoa, hey. Language. So I'm like, well, they're parents typical parents and i think that's kind of what they were wanting to show in that scene that's kind of the reaction i got if i ever cursed in front of my parents mm-hmm. if i was like so mad or something my dad would do that he'd be like hey but it never you know never beyond that <laughs> right yeah no i think i said first time i cussed in front of my parents i said shit yeah and it was with my mom and we were trying to catch a mouse and the mouse got away, and I was like, shit! <laughs> and my mom froze, and she looked at me, and I'm like, it's over there! <laughs> and I, like, pointed her a different direction. Yeah. So she just dropped it, and I'm all like, damn, I gotta watch that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I I had a similar thing like that, saying that there was a 4th of July one time, and at the end of the night, we all would shoot big fireworks off for everybody that was there at my uncle's. And one of the, you know, those missile things, they shoot up like there's like hundred of them or whatever. Oh, and yeah. like, pew, pew, pew. The pew, thing, pew. exactly. <laughs> the thing knocked over sideways Ooh. towards us. And like we were us who were shooting them off. And I remember being like, oh, shit. <laughs> and everybody heard it. My cousin was like, I think Scott just said you're it. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if, if that was not a moment to cuss, then I don't know what one is. Yeah. Well, well, the re- Scotty curses when um, Jerry is talking to Stan Grossman, his father-in-law is like right-hand man he's Mm. like you know we really think this is a good idea about this parking lot you got going here yeah so i think this is where jerry tries to call it off he's like oh shit this parking lot's coming through because now he's like okay this parking lot's gonna work out so he went and talked to the mechanic was what i called him yeah shep proudfoot the guy who put it together like this guy we find out later he's got some history of criminal activity and stuff but he says something like he doesn't know he put him in contact with what? Peter Stone Mayer? Because he, he, Jerry says, oh, I met your two guys. And Shep says something like, I only know one. Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, Carl and, and Garen. I think he says he doesn't know Carl or something like that. Or he knows, uh, he doesn't know the other guy, uh, yeah. Stone Mayer. Mm-hmm. But he's like, well, I've been trying to call him and get in touch with him. And he's like, because that, that thing we were doing, I, I may not need it. And he's like, I, I don't know, call him. <laughs> yeah, no, he was trying to get the number from the mechanic. He was like, really nice. And he's like, um, um, do you happen to know <laughs> how I can get a hold of them? And uh, the mechanic's all like, no. He's, and so he's like, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think he says something where Chef's like, call him. And he's like, well, the, well, the number I have, they I don't want to answer. And he's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, he just didn't care. He didn't want to be bothered. 
So Jerry's all like tucking his tail in between his legs and walking off. Yeah, gosh. You know, I think this this movie would have been okay, or he would have been okay if he was able to stand up. Like, if I get angry enough, I'll stand up to people. But I do feel like Jerry sometimes, like, yeah. getting pushed around and kind of not doing stuff about it. Because I'm like, oh, if I react negatively to this, this will look bad. Yeah, I'm always worried about what other people will think. Yeah. I mean, there are some situations where you're just like, okay, I am that uncomfortable like yeah. at that car lot, I was like, I do not feel bad for leaving because this guy is way out of line. Jerry is talking on the phone to the guy that he gave all these fake numbers to, serial numbers, which I'm thinking, I was thinking VIN numbers and not serial numbers, but. Is that what they are or does he keep saying serial? He says serial. Oh, really? Yeah, because at first I typed VIN number and then later he kept saying serial and I'm like, it, maybe it's the same thing. I don't know, but. Uh, and when he was even writing them out before, they looked like VIN numbers. Were VIN, were they created at a certain time? I don't know. I don't know. But he's all like, hey, I can't read these that you sent over. And, you know, we lent you 320000 So really going to need to be able to verify that these vehicles exist. Yeah, the guy's name, it's such a fantastic name. A Minnesota type name is Riley Diefenbach. Yeah, Diefenbach. <laughs> Yeah, because he's like, well, I faxed those over to you. And he's like, well, I I can't read them. Yeah, because they're so bad. Oh, goodness. So he was all like, you know, if we can't can't get these verified, you're going to have to pay all that money back. And and Jerry, it's so funny how he doesn't have a backbone, but he can lie. Yes. He can lie really good. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll get those. I'll get those faxed over. And the guy's like, no, no, no. No, not a fax. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it. I'll get it sent over. Yeah. It, it'll be over there. Yeah, because he's like, well, I'll fax him over. And he's like, well, I, I have a fax. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't no. read it. Especially back then, faxes were awful. Yeah. He's like, like He's like, what? no, I, shoot it over. <laughs> <laughs> send it by mail. <laughs> Need a hard copy. Oh, yeah. So the wife. Jean is at home and she's knitting and watching TV, just looking like she's just having a nice, relaxing time. Yeah. And then she sees this guy with a mask. Well, it's it's like one of those, what do they call that? Like ski mask? Yeah, ski mask. Come up on her back patio and she's just kind of looking at him. <laughs> yeah, not too concerned. He's no. got a crowbar in his hand. She's just all like, well, this is interesting. I wonder what that guy wants. Yeah. And I'd be surprised if she just didn't get up and open the door and be like, come on in. Yeah. But she doesn't. He smashes the window. and Yeah. She's just sitting there watching TV, having herself like a good day. And <laughs> what, what is a funny thing is that Peter Stomare, when she gets up and runs, he actually comes through the front door. Yeah. So I wonder, I couldn't tell if he broke it or if it was just unlocked, but how funny would that be if he just walked through the front door <laughs> <laughs> unlocked? It, I would imagine it probably was unlocked. Yeah. Maybe in that area they feel safe enough. He probably could have gotten in the back door, but you know. He had to be a little dramatic. Well, just, I think it's, uh, maybe they did that that way because they're just showing that these guys are not that great. Yeah. They, Steve Buscemi, especially, they're not that smart at this. No, no, no. So they try to tackle her. Peter Stormare grabs her and then she ends up biting him. And then what does he say that he needs? He says he's something like, need Unquin. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is like Neosporin. Something like that. Because that's what he runs into the bathroom to get. Oh, gosh. So she runs upstairs uh, into the bathroom and she leaves the window open. Now, I thought this was very clever. She leaves the window open 
And then she hides in the bathtub. With the shower curtain closed. With the shower curtain closed. But instead of staying there, because at this time, Peter Stamir is putting the ointment or whatever he said. Maybe Unkwin is like ointment or something. I don't know. Because he's Swedish in real life. And maybe the character is because his name is Gare Grimsborn or whatever the hell. So maybe he's Swedish in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Ointment. Need ointment. So he's putting some of that on his hand and she comes out. <laughs> she just, I don't even know if she tried to open the the shower curtain, but it is tangled up. She's tangled up in the shower curtain and she's running like a crazy lady and ends up falling down the stairs. Yeah, because I think because Peter Stomer kind of turns around, he sees, he suspects that she's in the shower or mm-hmm. hears her. And then, yes, she just bolts out of there, not even, like, caring to open it. (laughs) Which is funny. It's like there's a moment of humor in this terrible moment. Right. Which the Coen brothers do that a lot in their movies. But, yeah, it's like this is really funny, but it's a very serious situation. Yeah, I think I really like that kind of comedy. Yeah. Where it's, like, something so horrible, but you have to laugh. Yeah. Because it's silly. There's another uh, thing that happens that kind of laughed at and then i felt bad and then i'm like oh but it's supposed to be funny <laughs> yeah i think it's kind of supposed to kind of put you at ease in a terrible moment like that yeah but yeah she falls she feel like like you said she falls down the stairs and like knocks herself out and so they they've got her they got her they kidnapped her yeah they put her in the back seat of the car meantime you know jerry's still working and he's still trying to get money from wade yeah uh, so he goes to the office, to Wade's office. I'm guessing it's his office. Yeah, I think so. Uh, to talk more about getting a loan for his idea. Mm-hmm. And Wade's all like, hey, it's really great. You know, what What finder fee do you want for this? Yeah, and his face just drops. He's all like, what? I don't want a finder's fee. I want, I want the money for the lot to have myself. Which, what a dumb idea. He's like, he thinks that they're going to just give him the money so he can buy it himself. Yeah. You know, Wade says it. He's like, I'm not a bank. He's like, I don't give you the money so you can do it. Uh-huh. So then Jerry's basically just like, no, no. And he stands his ground. He's like, no, I need the loan. Mm-hmm. I want the loan. And then Wade's all like, well, since you're not interested in the fighter's fee, you don't mind if we just go ahead and take this and run with it, right? Yeah, he's like, this is a good deal. We're going to jump on it. So he just stole his idea. Yeah. And he did it on purpose. Yeah, which, I mean, Jerry, I know it probably wouldn't have worked, but he could have at least taken some of the money because he said something of like, what, 10% or whatever? Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, oh, I felt so bad for Jerry. I'm glad that he finally stood his ground, but then it just ended up. The rug got pulled out from him anyway. Yeah, which if he had just, you know, lived his life as a normal person and he did this, you know, he wouldn't have to worry about paying three hundred and fifty or 320000 back to the cars he say doesn't exist. He could have just, you know, had $70,000 or whatever he said it was there, which is back in then was a pretty damn good expense or yeah. pretty good, you know, investment. So it's just, you know, him making all the wrong choices and stuff just really fucks him. Yeah, it does. So he goes and tucks his t- tail between his legs and then takes his aggression out on uh, scraping his car window. <laughs> it's so funny, yeah. <laughs> Poor he's, guy. He's scraping his car and he just gets faster and faster and then he just like hits it and gets so mad. Yeah, and slips on the snow and oh, I just couldn't imagine how upset he is. Because he's like, this is not working out the way I was hoping. Yeah. So he goes and gets some groceries, comes home. And he's realized his wife 
is gone. Like they really did it. He knows. Yeah. He's yeah. just kind of quietly walking through the house, seeing the destruction. And he's still carrying the groceries. Yeah. All through the house. <laughs> Which I was thinking to myself at the time. I'm like, why did he get groceries a second time if he got the groceries just the other day? But I wonder if that's what he told his wife so he didn't have to go home. Maybe. He's like, oh, I get the groceries just in case she was still there. Maybe. So then he goes to the kitchen where the phone is and he starts practicing what he's going to tell Wade. Which that was not in the script. William H. Basie said that he thought that that would be a good idea to show him because, yeah, you hear him first. It's showing like the the seat, the house, and you hear him be like, Wade, there's something wrong. Gene's missing. And then he's like, Wade, Wade, something's wrong. Gene is missing. He's like (laughs) practicing what he's going to say. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. But the funniest thing is he calls Wade's office and he gets like his secretary, I'm assuming, because he's like, Wade, Wade Jean is missing. And then he calls and it's like, oh, oh yes, Wade Gustafson, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such a puss. <laughs> Just, oh, man. So Steve Buscemi and Peter Stomare, they're driving and all of a sudden you see Paul Bunyan. Which yes. An interesting fact is... They built this Paul Bunyan just for this movie, um, but it has since been taken down. Yeah, I was reading that too. They said there was no such Paul Bunyan because it says Brainerd, which is where this is now. Mm-hmm. Is this at the home of Paul Bunyan? They pass Paul Bunyan, and um, then all of a sudden, there's cop lights behind their car, and. <laughs> Carl's so stupid. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot to put the plates on. Yeah, I think the plan was to, like, well, he does it later in the movie, but to steal someone else's plates and put them on that mm-hmm. car. So he steals his dealer plates. I'm like, oh, that's so stupid. You want to make sure that nobody has a reason to pull you over. Yeah. He tells Gene, he's like, yeah, so stay quiet or we're going to kill you or something. <laughs> he's like, we're going to have to uh, shoot you. We're going <laughs> to shoot you in the face. So stay quiet. And so I think you hear a little whimper, but she stays quiet and the cop comes up and asks for his license and registration. Mm -hmm. And he gives the cop his whole wallet with a $50 bill kind of sticking out. And the cop's like, what's this? Yeah. He's like, well, I thought we could take care of it here in Brainerd. Yeah. Just take care of it right now. (laughs) And the cop's like, what? He's like, we can take care of it right now. Yeah. Here in Brainerd. So, <laughs> this is how he keeps saying it. Here, right now, Brainerd. And um, so Gare gets impatient because um, Carl's all like, hey, I'll, I'll handle this. Don't worry. Don't, mm-hmm. Stay calm. And Gear's like, the cop's not buying it. The cop even tells Carl to get out of the car. Yeah, and he hears Jean. She makes a noise in the back. Oh, that's right. That's when he like gets down. He like kind of kneels down to look in the back, and mm-hmm. this is when it happens. Yeah, and that's when Gear's like, okay, now we're going to do my method. So he slams the cop's head and then pulls out a gun and shoots him in the top of the head. Yeah, and it's it sits on this scene for a minute. Like, you see blood pouring out of this guy's yeah. head, and then Bushimi... You could just tell he's not, he's maybe never done anything like this before or just didn't expect it to happen because he's just like, whoa, daddy. Yeah, he kept, <laughs> like, whoa, daddy. he kept saying, I'm like, whoa, daddy is a weird response to this, but okay, we, we just did it. Yeah, and then Stomare is like, clean him off the road. Yeah, he's like, I did my part, so you, yeah. you clear him off the road. So that's what he does. He gets out and he's 
has him under the armpits and he's dragging him and he sees car lights. Yeah, one of the worst things to see at this point. And like, I don't know, I feel like maybe something different could have happened. But he just keeps holding the cop and keeps dragging him back. He's trying to like push it. I was like, try to pretend like maybe you're doing CPR on him. Yeah, or (laughs) sit him up. (laughs) I don't know. But the people slow down and they're passing and they're looking at all this mess. Well, just his mouth open. Like, oh. (laughs) I mean, the cop is bloody. You can obviously tell he's dead. And there's two guys there. So, Gear is all like, damn it. Yeah. So, he gets in the driver's seat and goes after this car. Just a great scene of him chasing them. Like, it's just, you see the scene is from the, like, the hood of the car. As you can mm-hmm. see, like, the lines on the street passing as he's getting closer and closer to this car. Yep. And then this car in front of him, I think they're teenagers, they look like it to me, but just so. runs off the side of the road. Because I guess in slick conditions, maybe they lost control. Yeah, they probably saw that the guy was after him, mm-hmm. and the cop's dead. I mean, hello. Yeah. I'd be trucking out of there, but they probably are teenagers, so inexperience caught them upside down in the ditch. And... I thought it was interesting that the wheels on the car was still spinning. Oh, really? Um, I should have looked it up. I don't know if that's possible, but um, it was the rear one, so maybe it was front wheel drive. The thing that caught me the most in this scene is that I'm assuming boyfriend, whatever, possible Mm -hmm. husband, gets out of the car and leaves her and starts running. Starts running, yeah. And then Peter Stomare shoots him in the back and sees the girl still in there and, and kills her. Yeah. Ugh. It was sad. I don't know that they made this part very funny, but it was kind of like, oh, dang, there's a lot of murders going on all at once. Well, it's just, to me, it seems like it, this is a small town and like this stuff is really outside of it. Like, you know, here in Springfield, mm-hmm. you you hear crazy stuff that happens and you're like, wow, this is really outside of our town, right. this thing happening. So it's a real small town. This doesn't happen. And like the big city, you know, they, they're from Fargo or whatever. That's mm-hmm. where they met. Um, the big city is kind of coming in and leaking in. And these terrible things are coming into this small town now. Yeah, real fast. This is where we meet a young, pregnant Frances McDormand. Not really pregnant at that time, though. No, she wasn't pregnant for real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Her character was pregnant. The IMDb trivia says she left. It was like filled with bird seed. Yeah, I read that too. And yeah. says she left it in her trailer overnight one time, and one of the boobs exploded from the cold. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> they were filming. There's another thing. They were filming in Minnesota, which was having like the hottest winter they've ever had at the time. So they weren't really getting, so they filmed in like Canada, different mm-hmm. areas and stuff. But most of the snow was fake because they, they just couldn't get it at the time. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. It's like, <laughs> okay, we're going to shoot the film in winter when there's a lot of snow. And then, oh, it's a very hot winter and there's no snow. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Oh, well, they did a good job. But I love the, the dynamic that the Gundersons have. Marjorie, Marge Gunderson, Margie, mm-hmm. and her husband, Norm. Like, it, as they come into their house, you see, like, all these paintings and stuff that he's done. And he's so he seems like such a great husband to her because she gets up and, you know, she gets the phone call that this terrible thing has happened. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'll get I'll be all right there. And then he's like, can I make you some eggs? And she's like, no, go back to sleep. But he's like... 
I'll make you some eggs. Yeah, he's like, you need to eat. And that was just so sweet. But he does the thing that, like, a lot of, like, I think my dad has done this a lot, but he goes, I'll make you some eggs. <laughs> yeah. As he gets up. As you get out of bed. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know if he smokes, and that's just kind of, ooh. Yeah. But he does. They're, they're sitting in this little nook in their kitchen and just eating, and then she has to get up and go. But I love this shot so much because the way the kitchen is laid out, like, there's a kitchen in the left corner, and the door to the out is in the right, basically, mm-hmm. the way the frame is set up. And she's like, well, I gotta get going. So she gets up and goes out this door, so you can still see her husband sitting there eating, mm-hmm. but you can also see her in the cold, like, trying to start this car. So it's kind of interesting. You're, oh, you're still yeah. seeing him do what he would do, but you're seeing her leave, and then it's so funny. Like, we, I think prowler is a Minnesota term, maybe? I don't know, because she go, comes back inside, and she's like... Han, the Prowler needs a jump. <laughs> or police car. Yeah, at first I was all like, what did she say? Yeah, but they say it later. It's like, oh, where is this? Because when they're talking about the officer that got killed on the side of the road, she's like, where is this Prowler? And he's oh. like, oh, it's up there a few paces back. And I was like, oh, Prowler. Okay, car. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, I don't know if that's sweet. So, I guess he just jumped her car. Yeah. Because she's driving now. She comes up on the crime scene. She's all like, oh, we got a triple homicide, huh? Just just nonchalant. Yeah, just, she's like, oh, is this where the murders were, huh? Or whatever. Everything's cool. She's got like a cup of coffee and she's walking up to the car. Um, she's like, oh, one in the one in the hand and one in the head. So got a defensive wound, I suppose, huh? Yeah, and Norm's like, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she's like, I think they call that a defensive wound. <laughs> just so nice. Uh, I thought that scene was interesting just because she's just so laid back. I mean, me, I I mean, I guess maybe they're kind of numb to it, but I'd be like, oh, my God. Yeah. And you think that maybe they wouldn't be because, you know, what she says later when she actually gets Peter Stomare. But that's what I love about this movie is that she is excellent at her job. Mm -hmm. She is great. And you think that she's going to throw up because she has, you know, she can't take the sight. (laughs) But she's like, I'm going to barf. But she's just morning sickness. Yeah, she's like, it passed. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> she's a great cop, and they really could have made her like an idiot detective. They could. They could have made her like, a, oh, I don't know what's going on here, you know, but she's actually great. Especially the time period that they're filming in. Yeah. I mean, women didn't really have predominant roles uh, yeah. as, as far as work and stuff, so... Uh, they really made her be dominant. Yeah, and Lou, the um, detective, or the police officer next to her, you know, he's like, agrees with everything that she says, you know? He's not like, well, 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 no. But he's just like, oh, yeah, because it's funny. She, The thing when, when they go up and look at the police officer that was murdered, mm-hmm. she's like, hmm, he looks like a nice enough fella. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's a real shame. <laughs> like, it is a shame. It doesn't shame anybody gets killed. Yeah. Well, they're driving, though, after that, and Lou is like, well, we uh, we looked in his logbook, and he pulled over a tan Sierra, or a burnt orange Sierra that said DLR, so we figured they killed him before he could finish writing the plate in his notebook. <laughs> and she thinks for a second, and she's like, uh, Norm, I don't agree with your police work there. <laughs> DLR means dealer plates. And I think he's like, like oh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. Um, so Jerry is meeting up with 
Wade and Stan. This is so funny because like they're here discussing his wife's kidnapping and they went to like a diner and they're having coffee. (laughs) Where the fuck are you? It's so weird. Like why? But now the ransom money went from I guess eighty thousand to one million dollars. That's a good point. Yes, the Jerry has told those people that he's going to ransom his wife for eighty thousand, mm-hmm. and he'll give forty to Steve Buscemi and Peter Stomare. Right, and he'll keep forty himself. In reality, he is asking for a million, and he's going to give forty thousand to Peter Stomare and Steve Buscemi and keep the rest for himself. Exactly. So he's he's playing people. He's yeah, like I said, he's a good liar. Yeah, you can walk all over him, but he'll lie. <laughs> yes, he sure will. And so like, weird. it's so funny at this scene because Stan Grossman agrees with Jerry, and Jerry like takes that as like, oh, Stan's got my back. This is great because Stan's like, mm-hmm. now Wade, we we really should because Wade's trying to negotiate this. And he was like, a million dollars, I shouldn't have a million. And, and Stan's like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't, you know, play around with these people, Wade. Mm-hmm. We should really do it. And Jerry's like, you Stan agrees. You got yeah. to listen to Stan. He said, darn tootin'. Which is <laughs> <laughs> one of the famous words. Darn tootin', yeah. Darn tootin'. Which he actually says later to Scotty, when because he, later he's talking to his son. And he's like, is mom going to be okay? And he's like, no. He's like, should we call the cops is what Scotty says. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you asked Stan Grossman. He says we shouldn't call the cops. Like, (laughs) Stan's the man, I guess, when it comes to the authorities. Like, no, son, call Stan and ask him. Stan is the man. But the funny thing about them having coffee, though, is it shows them, like, checking out. And the lady's like, oh, is everything good? And, And Jerry's like, yeah, it's fine. And he just goes, how are you doing today? I'm like. It's just them being super nice the whole time. Yeah, but like she just like stares at him like. It, yeah, it lingers on her way too long. But weirdo. It just, I'm like, your wife's been kidnapped and I know you're behind it, but dude, act a little fucking scared. Yeah, and Stan, even as they're walking out, says something to Jerry about, oh, I hope your son's okay. <laughs> and then Jerry's all like, oh shit, yeah. Oh God, I forgot about Scotty and yeah, all this. Yeah, I have a son. Oh goodness yes this is the scene where he talks to scotty for a minute and this guy this kid his room is very strange (laughs) he's got an accordion with like sheet music sitting there he's practicing accordion i guess and the the big joke at the end of that scene is you know macy's like oh ask stan grossman we're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine mom's gonna be okay but then macy closes his bedroom door and on the back of it is this gigantic poster for a thing called accordion king yes i'm like this kid plays hockey but he plays the accordion I don't know of any kid that is that into the accordion. I don't know. And maybe it's just the area, I guess, or like Minnesota. Could be. But, I mean, good for him. Do what makes you happy. So Carl and Gier show up at this little cabin. And Jean gets out of the car. She has like a hood Mm -hmm. on her head. She's still wearing like her slippers and her jammies, it looks like. And she gets out and she fumbles and she falls. Yes. And Gear tries to kind of help her. And Carl's like, no, no, hold on. Hold on <laughs> just like, a second. Whoops. This is another horribly funny yeah. situation. And she just, she just kind of zigzags back and forth through this like little wooded area and keeps falling down. And they're just laughing at her. Yeah. He's like, hoo, hoo, hoo. Which... Is hilarious, but also awful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, that poor lady. Oh. So I think this is where we cut to the police station where Norm has brought her Arby's 
for lunch. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is where he talks about it exactly, but he says he's doing a painting to try to get on the stamp. Right, yeah, and he's talking about, you know, everybody else and how There's they're so much family. better. Yeah. And, and this is just kind of shows how sweet their relationship is because um, Francis is a little like, oh, but you're you're the best. You know, you're yeah. you're so good. Don't worry about it. There's a funny thing where he kisses her and she goes, oh, hon, you got Arby's all over me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Oh, goodness. So, but there's a running joke in here, too, where everybody knows that Norm is going fishing because she said earlier that she has to get Norm night crawlers. And so, like, there's a couple of cops that are like, oh, hey, Norm, going fishing, huh? Oh, that's right. But this is where I think Lou comes in and tells her they saw that car. I don't remember how she gets to this point, but they saw the car or something at, the, at like, the bar where the prostitutes were. Oh. I don't exactly know how she comes to this point, but this is where she goes and interviews the prostitutes. Yeah, so... Marge meets up with the girls that slept with Carl and Gear. Mm-hmm. She meets up with them at a lakeside club. I find it funny how like everything is different. So I think to meet up at the the same places, but this is a completely different club that they meet up at. And these girls, they're kind of uh, they come off as ditzy. Yeah, like the dumb blonde stereotype. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one is like, yeah, one is really funny looking. <laughs> you know that's how they keep describing steve buscemi carl yeah yeah it's, he's just real funny looking and he's not circumcised <laughs> yeah she's like oh funny looking anything else you could tell me and she's like no uh really he had a, he's uncircumcised does that help you she's like mm. maybe i don't know and then the other guy was the marlboro man because that's all he smoked she's like well maybe i'm saying that because he just smoked but one of them's like <laughs> before that one of them is like uh Oh, yeah, I used to live here. I went to um, White Bear Lake High School. Go Bears. <laughs> Go Bears. Um, but she says that one of them said that they were going to the Twin Cities. And she's like, does that does that help you at all? And she's like, oh, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that helps a lot. So that's where she's going to go. Oh, I think she went to this place because she found out that the police officer says they found a hotel that had the license plate number or, or matched the description. Okay. So they found where the, and that's where she went. She went to that hotel where they had the Fargo sex and uh, met those prostitutes, I guess. Gotcha. It's coming together. <laughs> okay. So it does cut to Carl. This just really took me back. He was beating the shit out of the TV. Yes. To try to get good reception. And boy, I remember those days when you mm-hmm. just had to smack it. Or you had to put, like, tinfoil on the antenna. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, he didn't have any luck, but I did remember. <laughs> I'm like, oh, those old TVs. Yeah, and I think, I don't know if they have it open at this point, but in this cabin they're staying at, they do have the stove open in one point, and it's, like, heating the place. Yeah. I was like, that's fucking dangerous. It's always cold in there, though. You can yeah. see their breath. Like, so this is just a janky-ass cabin. Yeah. So I think this is the next shot where at some point must have, some of this must have been on TV because – oh, no, it shows Marge and Norm. They're, like, very sweetly sleeping. Like, she's watching TV, and he's, like, passed out next to her. And she's like, Norm, I'm going to turn in. And he's like, oh, oh yeah. And they it, it's a very quick scene, but it's just very nice. But um, very qu- after that, she gets a call on the phone from Mikey and Agita. Right, exactly. And this is where he's like, oh, I saw you on the TV. Yeah, yeah. It's just very, very strange. 
Yeah, I thought the whole phone call was a little awkward. Uh, yes, the uh, the phone call is completely awkward, and he's just <laughs> there's moments of dead silence between them because they don't know what to talk about. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, you're good. I'm good. Yeah, okay, what else? Yeah, you still good? <laughs> I'm still good." But this is messed up because he's like, ele- he says it's like eleven o'clock at night, and they are both asleep. And he's like, "Oh, did I wake you up?" And she's like, "No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine." <laughs> so again, just that Minnesota like the niceness. Oh, goodness. Yeah, so that was, I I get that it ties in later, but it was just kind of a weird timing for me, I guess. I, I will explain, because there, I guess there's a thing where people say that the scene where she meets Mikey and Agita doesn't make sense in the context of the movie. Mm-hmm. But when we get there, I'll tell you why. Okay, Because good. it does lead into something in the end. I'm glad, because I was just like, what's happening? But, but there's a great shot real quick here where she's on the phone with Mikey and Agita, and Norm's hand kind of like comes over her shoulder to hold on hold her you know because he's passed out yeah and it's his wedding ring it's like you can see his hand with the wedding ring like perfectly where it's like i don't know if they're symbolizing like yeah he's your husband (laughs) yeah they're together yeah for real (laughs) so jerry's still working you know because he's got to keep up his appearances yeah, this is where he was going to screw that other guy on the true coat. <laughs> he was. Guy's like, I don't need true coat. He's like, yeah, you don't need true coat. <laughs> the guy was basically ignoring everything that Jerry said, which is unfortunately kind of a car salesman thing. Yeah. You, you just got to, you know what you want, you go in there and you get it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so. He gets a phone call and it's Bashimi. That's right. So this is where... Uh, he explains that they've had to kill three people, so he wants the full 80000 Yeah, he keeps saying to him, blood has been shed, Jerry. Yeah. Blood has been shed. And Jerry's all like, what? No, that's, you know, that's your problem. Which, if this whole thing works, I don't know why he's putting up a fight here, but if this works, he's going to get a million. So even if they ask for another 40000 just do it. Yeah, but he seems so greedy. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, but... He, one thing that's really funny in this conversation with Buscemi is he go Jerry goes, how's Gene? And Steve Buscemi's like, who? Yeah. And he's like, my wife. <laughs> you know, my wife, the Buscemi lady doesn't you even kidnapped. Know. Jeez. So Carl was like, well, we're coming tomorrow. You know, you have until tomorrow. Yeah. And then after that phone call, Jerry gets another one from... The guy with that wants the VIN numbers. Riley Diefenbach, yeah. Yeah, and he's all like, hey, if I don't have it tomorrow, you're going to have to pay everything back. He's going to turn it over to our legal team. So this is where they're like, okay. Yeah. So tomorrow, he's got until tomorrow. Well, <laughs> Riley Diefenbach has a great line here where he goes, my patience is at an end. And he hangs up. So I'm like, damn, that's a good one to go off on. That's it. My patience is at an end. Be warned. I think this is where we see them now. That like it cuts to Marge and, and her husband eating at like the buffet. Yeah, I, I said Golden Corral. It doesn't yeah. really say Golden Corral. It's very generic, but it's exactly like Golden Corral. Yeah, there's a name and I forgot. I, you could see it on like one of the plate on like a table. There's like a sign for it, but I didn't write it down. Just the only thing I did get from that is that they're eating chicken fricassee is the name on the thing. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> Lou comes in later and he's like, oh, how's the fricassee? Oh, see, some of these terms I'm just all like. Nope. Okay, it's food. Sure. <laughs> Which I always thought fricassee means like you burn the shit out of it or something. Uh, but if I was like taking a break, you know, for lunch, and then it was getting interrupted, like she gets interrupted all the time in her sleep, mm-hmm. like while she's eating, like each time 
And she's just so calm. Yeah. And I mean, I want to know the secret. I mean, maybe it's because she's acting, but um, she's just so calm every time. Just all like, hey, yeah, okay, I'm just, I'm st- you know, still eating here. Yeah. You know, because um, one of the deputies, I don't know his name, he came up and he had something for her. I think it's oh, something the numbers to do with the, yeah. that she asked for. That's yeah. right. Uh, so she just calmly eats and says that she's going to drive to the Twin Cities. And yeah, and her husband, Norm, in the back, she's like, I think I'm going to take a trip up there. And he goes, oh, yeah? Yeah. Like, he's he's calm, too. I'm yeah, like, I know. He, he, his uh, wife is pretty pregnant. Yes, because I think they track the phone numbers or something from the hotel. And they, this is where it is. They track the phone numbers they got from that hotel they found. And one of the phone calls was to a ship, Proudfoot. In the Twin oh, Cities. Oh, that's right. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so she's like, I better go up there. Yeah, so she's she's heading up there. In the meantime, Jerry and Wade and Stan mm-hmm. are back together. And Wade is like, I need to be a part of this. Yeah. He, I need to be a part of this, you know, exchange of money and get my daughter back. Can't you sit on the sides? Yeah, and Jerry's all like, yeah, no, 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 no. They only want to deal with me. It's just through me. And and he's he's like, no offense, I don't want you mucking this up. Yeah, and he's like, what do they care who delivers the money? And Stan turns on him and goes, yeah, Jerry, it, I'm with him on this. It doesn't make sense if they matter who delivers it or not. Right. Oh goodness. So we see Margie come into the Twin Cities. Right. Yeah, and it's so funny. She was uh, at the hotel. And she uses a payphone to call somebody. <laughs> yeah. Another throwback to just be like, it is like a completely different time now. It is, yeah. So you just call on your cell phone. Yeah. But it's funny because she calls another cop and she's like, oh, I'm in town and wanted to follow up on those phone numbers that you gave me. And she's like, oh, by the way, do you know of a, a place that I could eat lunch at here in town? And I guess he tells her like the Radisson Hotel. Yeah. And she's like, the Radisson, is it reasonable? <laughs> I wouldn't imagine. I wouldn't. Well, I don't know. But it's just so funny because you would think that if they're going, like, they could expense that for, like, she's paying for her own food. But it just makes me laugh. That's true. Yeah. She's all about the food, which, you know, same. Yeah. (laughs) But I think this is where we also see Bushimi finally, after fucking days, changes the plates on this fucking car. Yeah, he finally goes to an airport parking lot. And steals tags off another car, which I'm thinking, good idea. I mean, it's bad. Don't do it. Yeah. But I'm like, I mean, that car's going to be sitting there for a while. People probably won't notice the tags are missing for a while. After everybody knows what type of car that they're driving, he steals plates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's great timing here, buddy. And it's just so funny because then he leaves and he gets into it with the booth operator. (laughs) And the guy's like, well, you... It's not how it works. I mean, you know, you, you came in here because Bushimi's like, I, I decided not to park here. And he's like, well, it's still going to be $5 or whatever. $4. Four, yeah. Yeah. And Bushimi just goes off on him. And he's like, he's like, you think you're fucking tough? He's like, you think you're fucking all high and mighty because yeah. you can decide who comes in and goes? <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yeah, he was really upset paying that $4. I mean, $4 isn't, isn't much now, but I... Sure, it was a little bit back then. And well, I would be pissed off too because it's like you're not staying there. I get it, but they're yeah. just charging you to drive up. 
Just Which, basically drive in a circle. He's doing the worst thing possible because, like, if a cop comes and they're like, oh, have you seen a Tane Sierra? He's going to be like, you know, come to think of it, I did get into a fight with a mm. pissed off man. Mm. Who, you know, you just keep a fucking low profile, you dumbass. That is good. I didn't even think of that. But, yeah, that's just another stupid thing. He's going to be like, yes, I will pay the $4. And then that guy probably would never remember exactly. that he saw it. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> go but he's got a fucking bitch and moan about everything so now everyone's gonna know who he was oh uh, yeah they're which comes back to fuck him in the end here in a bit we'll get to that yeah definitely not the sharpest tools in the shed so marge is at the dealership because she wants to talk to this ship proudfoot yeah ship proudfoot i didn't <laughs> i didn't put his name down i just oh, put yeah, mechanic so i'm like what is it the, the one that vouched for carl but anyway so she's talking to him. I can't remember. She just asked if he got a phone call. He's claiming up on her. Yeah, because she's like, oh, we saw that you got a phone call. And he's like, I don't know. She's like, well, it was at three in the morning. Were you home? He's like, yeah. He's like, was anybody else there with you? He's like, no. She's like, I, I'm having a hard time believing that you don't remember this phone call. And he's like, oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that's where you kind of find out. She's like, look, I've seen, I saw your file. You have some history with you know crime and stuff but nothing in regards to murder yeah i think she said narcotics or something oh yeah narcotics and stuff yeah, yeah. but he yeah he's not he's clamming up yeah and then then she goes and talks to jerry which he is nervous as shit yes <laughs> he's doing the worst uh acting you know it because she's like uh oh have you had like a tan sierra get taken off your lot ever and he just sits there for like what feels like five minutes yeah <laughs> not saying anything he's all like nope nope mm-mm. nope mm-mm. nope not at all and so she's all like all your cars are accounted for you know and i don't remember if he was if this was a part but basically he's just all like yeah okay everything's here yeah at first he's always like because she's like, oh, are all the cars here? And then he goes, oh, Brainerd, you're here from Brainerd, huh? And she's like, yeah, home, home of Paul Bunyan. He's like, but you haven't had any cars go missing. And he's like, oh, I think I would know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And as soon as she leaves, he tries calling. Yeah, Jerry tries to call the mechanic, but he's already out of Dodge. Yeah, he's gotten out. Sure. And yes. And then we get to my favorite scene, which is her meeting up with Mikey and Agita. They're, I don't know if this is the Radisson Hotel food, but they're in a bar or like a restaurant type place. Yeah. And Mike Yanagita comes in. He sees like it, Marge, and he's like, oh, Marge, hey, how you doing? Oh, great. He's like, you married Norm, son of a Gunderson, hey, oh, boy. And <laughs> he pulls the creepiest fucking move where he tries to sit on her side of the booth. Mm-hmm. And he's got like his arm around her. And it's so funny because he moves and sits real quick, and then she's like, I prefer you over there. And he's like, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. And she's like, no, 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 it's just my neck. I want to be able to see you. <laughs> it's just where it's like. Trying to be so nice. Be so nice, yeah. And then he keeps being like, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, God. And she's like, oh, you know, if we want to do this another day, that's that's fine. He's like, no, that's fine. And, and this is where she asked if he was married, and. He's like, no, well, yes. He's like, I was married to Linda Cooksey from school, you know, if you remember her. And it's like, she got the leukemia. Oh. And at this point, you're kind of like, oh, that's so sad. Yeah. And that's so, so depressing. And he kind of breaks down and he's just like, I'm so lonely. But my favorite line in the entire movie is where he's like that. He's like, I'm sorry about this, Marge. You're such a super lady. <laughs> he's like, I like you so much. You super lady. She's like, well, I like you too, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, it was very awkward. And she seemed excited to see him. Like, you see her kind of poofing her her hair to make sure it's 
good and she was wearing a nice little outfit um yeah in the trivia they said this scene they wanted to show her being something other than like a cop because mm-hmm. in every scene she's a cop working they wanted to show her but i guess we can get to it here but basically she finds out in the end mikey anagita has been lying Right. She's talking to a lady on the phone, and she's like, oh, I ran into Mike Anagita, and it's so sad about Linda Cooksey. And she's like, he's what? never married to Linda Cooksey. <laughs> Linda Cooksey's still alive. So what this does is that Marge takes this and be like, well, this man has been lying. Mm-hmm. And that kind of makes her realize that Jerry has been lying the whole time. Oh. That pushes her into going back to the dealership towards the end. Because she's like, oh, well, God, you know, Mikey and Aguita told this whole story and how sad and stuff. But then she finds out that it's all a lie that he was putting that on for her. Interesting. So that's what pushes her to kind of investigate Jerry once more. Wow. So that's kind of where that's coming from. People were like, well, this makes no sense in the part of the movie. Okay. So, yeah, that's good. Because I I do remember when she was talking to that lady on the phone, she said that it kind of... She had that shocked look on her face, and I thought, oh, she just figured out Mike was a stalker. Yeah, that too, probably. But she also realized, hey, anybody can lie. Yeah. Anybody can tell a nice little story. Yes. So, Jerry. Jerry's a really good liar. Yeah, and because at the time, like none of these two cases have kind of come together. Mm-hmm. She, you know, um, is investigating this you know, the murders and stuff, and then Jerry's wife and stuff, those cases have not come together. Yeah. So Carl's like, hey, it's not tomorrow yet. Still in the evening. I have some time. I'm going to go to the celebrity house and get an escort. Yes. He takes her to a fucking show. It looks pretty fancy. Jose Feliciano is the guy's name. I don't know, but they had like their own little round tables with a candle on it. And I'm like, oh, this is... Fancy taking an escort to fancy place. He's like um, making small talk with this lady. He's like, "Do you like what you do?" <laughs> She's just yeah. like, "What?" She's all like, "This is weird. This yeah. is the weirdest thing ever." Uh, so, um, they end up having sex. I'm not quite sure where they were at. Like some hotel. I'm assuming where he's staying at. I don't know. Yeah, some some. It kind of looked a little dumpy. Um, but here comes the mechanic. And... Shep, yeah, he comes in. He's fucking pissed that he's coming back to him. Yeah, so he throws the escort off of Carl and then throws Carl across the room. The, the escort's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. She runs off, yeah, like completely naked. Yeah. <laughs> um, And then the mechanic just starts beating the shit out of him. Yeah, it, um, Steve Jimmy has a really funny line when he pulls the prostitute off of him. He goes, Shep, what the fuck are you doing? I was banging that chick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which is funny because the way they show it is like, this is sad sex. Like the prostitute is. is talking. She's like, okay, where are you? Come on now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, and he's all like, no, I was banging her. <laughs> he's like, I was really getting in there. Oh, gosh. I don't know. Maybe he's just all like, this is what I do. So, But, like, Shep is in fucking sane at this point because, like, a guy knocks on the door and he's like, hey, calm the fuck down. I'm trying to sleep. And then Shep starts kicking the shit out of that guy. He goes out and beats that guy up. And even as the escort was leaving, he, like, kicked her in the rear. Yes, yeah. And she's all like, ah, you know. So his he's got some anger issues. <laughs> well, dude, he's pissed off because I think... What, what's her fit? Marge says it earlier when she interviews him. She's like, 
you're on parole and if you're talking to a criminal or doing criminal activity that violates your parole Mm -hmm. so yeah he's fucking furious that this is starting to come back to him yeah you're gonna do that kind of stuff it's gonna come around at you no matter what so this is where i think we get to the point where they're getting ready to deliver the money yes I don't know if Steve Buscemi calls him before or while, like, Wade is out there delivering it, but there's a funny trivia note because Steve Buscemi calls him and he's like, All right, Jerry, that's it. 30 minutes, this is all over with and done. We get the money. If you look, it says in the trivia that when he says that, there's 30 minutes left of the movie. Oh, (laughs) interesting. Yeah. That's neat. Uh, Yeah, they do talk, and I thought, man, this is your time to say that somebody else is going to bring the money. Yeah. But he doesn't. Well, he needs to stand up and be like, I just talked to him, and they said that they will kill her if it's just if it's anybody else. Right. But he just can't stand up to anybody. No. Well, yeah, no. So, Wade, you know, he's all like, I'm a badass, so here's a gun. I'm yeah, going to take a gun. And he's practicing what he's saying, too, much like Jerry was, <laughs> where he's like, where is Gene? He's like, no, Gene, no money. Yeah, give me my daughter. Give me my daughter. Uh, so... Wade meets up with Carl. It's on top of a car parking lot again. Yep. And, you know, he's all like, who the fuck are you? He's like, who the fuck are you, old man? Where's Jerry? (laughs) So Wade is just, he keeps asking for his daughter. Yes. It's like, give me my daughter. Give me my daughter. And then Carl's just like, drop the money. Drop the money. Yeah. So they're not communicating very well. (laughs) No. (laughs) So this goes very bad. Where um, Carl is fed up and shoots Wade in and the, the stomach. Yeah, and it's funny. Wade goes, Arr! Yeah, he's like, Arr! And drops down. Like he didn't see it coming. <laughs> I don't know. Like you're dealing with a bad guy. I guess he thought he could negotiate his way out. Oh, so there was, yeah. I, I put in, that's so funny. I typed out in my notes. It was a little, there was a little pause and an awkward moment. Yeah. <laughs> where he got shot and he's just standing there like, okay. So he falls, and then um, I think this is where Carl kind of starts freaking out, and Wade pulls the gun and shoots it and grazes, like, the side of um, yeah, I thought Carl's he, chin. I thought he got him, like, through the mouth or the cheek or something. I think he just grazed it. I guess, because you're talking like this the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, so then Carl is like... <laughs> I'm done. And he ends up just shooting the shit out of Wade. He gets pissed off and, yeah, he shoots him like four or five more times. Yeah. So, you know, he ends up leaving. Carl ends up leaving and uh, he passes Jerry on the way out and Jerry's on the way in. Yeah, I think Jerry's trying to get the money. He's like trying to get up there and somehow fix, figure some way out to still get the money. Exactly. Um, But Jerry gets up there and sees... Wade's body, yeah, and pops the trunk. I, th- it never comes of anything, but I'm like, did he put Wade in his trunk? I think so. Because yeah, because uh, Marge later is like, well, can I talk to Mister Gunderson or, or no uh, Gustafson? And he's like, well, he's out of town. So I don't know. It's like, where the hell did he put that body? I don't know. It never comes up again. But um, pretty sure he just put it in the trunk. Yeah. Well, yes. But I'm just like, where did he put that? So I'm like, oh, these lies just keep piling up. Um, but as Jerry is leaving, he noticed that the, oh, what's the... Like a tendant or whatever? No, the bar that goes down, that closes everything off, so you can't get through. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, I don't know what the ter- name for it is, mm-hmm. but it's like a... The stop thing that... Anyway, 
the attendant is dead, and... Well, because he asked... When Buscemi leaves, he comes up to the parking attendant guy, and he... Gate! Are you talking about Gate? Yeah, the Gate. Because he's like, open the fucking gate! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, can I have your ticket, sir? Uh, yeah, and then Jerry just sees that the attendant is dead, and the gate is crashed, so he just goes on through. Yeah, he was like, oh, jeez. Yeah, goodness. It's just getting... Getting crazy up in here. This is another very funny moment here where Macy returns home and his son Scotty is like, Dad, Stan Grossman called for you. He's like, twice. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just sits down because Macy's like freaking the fuck out of what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And then his son goes, are you calling Stan Grossman yet? <laughs> like, uh, no, I'm going to go to bed. Yeah, he's like, I'm just, just got to go to bed. I got got your grandpa in the trunk and... Just real tired right now. <laughs> I just love the power that Stan Grossman has in this town. I guess. Are you calling Stan yet? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I guess someone called in and reported that a funny-looking man... Oh, yes. ...wanted an escort because he was lonely. Oh, yeah, the cop goes and interviews somebody. It's this this was a weird clip for me, too. Well, this guy, I think he was at some bar that Bushimi must have gone to. Because it starts with this guy sweeping his driveway of snow and stuff. And he tells the story of, he was like, oh yeah, there was a funny looking man. He's like, can you describe what he looks like? And he was like, funny looking. <laughs> Just yeah. keep saying funny looking. But he's like, oh yeah, he, he asked if I knew where I could get, he could get some action around here. And I said, what do I look like? I don't know that kind of thing. And then the, he says, the guy says, he says, what do I look like? Some kind of jerk. Although he doesn't say jerk, if you know what I mean. <laughs> He was like, hey, you better watch who you're talking to, pal, because the last guy I talked to ended up dead. Yikes. Yeah, and so that guy called the cops on him, and he was like, well, I'm looking for some action around here up at the lake. And so that's where they realize, you know, like, oh, shit, like, they say that these guys are at the lake. So, yes, this guy was just some bartender that Bushimi was just bullshitting with, like, again, threatening him. Okay. Keep a fucking low profile. Yeah, no, he's such an idiot. He's just like, oh, yeah, he's like, I killed a man, and you end up just like him. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Just be like, dude, do you know where I can get a prostitute? Oh, you don't? Well, I'm sorry, I thought you might. Okay, yeah. (laughs) This is fucking stupid. Even asking for a prostitute may cause an alarm. I don't know. I mean, I just don't know... It seems like everywhere they go, they're able to find one. I don't know how easy it is because I've never gone looking. Yes, I don't know. There's a street here in town called Commercial Street where supposedly, like, prostitutes did walk around occasionally. And I remember going down Commercial Street with a friend where we were kind of looking just to be like, but I didn't see anything. Never saw anybody. Yeah, I think it's just a thing. I mean, I think I've seen they tend to hang out, from my understanding, in truckers, you know, the... Like truck stops? Truck stops, yes. I tend to hang out in truck stops. Um, Lot lizards? I only know that because I I actually did meet one in the bathroom one time when I was a little girl. Oh, really? Uh, My dad was a truck driver. And so we went to um, the local (laughs) truck stop because, you know, that's how fancy we were. Um, Not trash at all. (laughs) (laughs) So I met one. And I, I came out and I, I remember looking at my stepmom like, she's really pretty. And my stepmom called her a lot lizard. Oh, wow. And I'm all like, what's that? You know, I was so young. I don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, it, it made sense later in life. And I'm all like, hey, she was just really pretty, though. But anyway, <laughs> so Carl, 
realizes at this moment, uh, with a napkin stuck to his face, trying to sop up all the blood, yes. that there's more than $80,000 in this bag. Yeah, he's like, holy shit. So what's he do is he takes out 80000 and buries the rest on the side of the road. Yeah, and he looks around for a minute, and he's like, well, this all looks the same. So he takes the ice scraper and sticks it in the snow yeah, so he can kind of tell where he's at. Like a red handled ice scraper yes which i'm like i don't know how long that's gonna last like maybe he thinks he's gonna come back quickly yeah like later and get it but this is where the buried money came in that in the some show. of the minnesotians went and looked for oh. in real life yes i can't believe they thought that was real yeah i mean but again you know if you want to take some time and go try to find money hey you're getting out you're being active sure good for you <laughs> if you happen to find some money then Woo! Good job. And then I think this is where they she has her second interview with Jerry. Marge does. There's a really funny scene of her driving up there where she's just sitting in a Hardee's drive-thru. And she just goes, hello! <laughs> <laughs> just showing her getting food. But this is... I think she's sitting there, too, eating. It shows her eating and she's sitting there, like, thinking. Yeah, she's having her second interview with him and she's like, Are you sure there are no cars missing? Yeah, have you done an inventory check? Yeah, and he's like, nope, nope, there's no cars missing. He's getting really kind of testy with her, and she was like, well, I was thinking, you know, your wife getting, I think she knows at this point his wife's kidnapped. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, you know, your wife getting kidnapped and the, the car going missing off the lot, it would be strange if they weren't, you know, connected. Connected. The way she says it's so funny, and he's <laughs> like, he's like, ma'am, I told you already, there was no cars missing. And she drops the niceness, and she's just like, Sir, there's no need to get snippy with me. I'm yeah. just doing my job. Stellar acting. Yeah. Because she just, all of a sudden, boom, you could see the switch. Yeah. Like, from being real nice and just like, hey, trying to get the truth out of you, and then stone cold. Yeah. Like, this is, you know, I will be polite to you, but we're done. Yeah. Um, But then he was like, he gets really pissed off, and he's like, all right, fine, I'll do a darn lot count if it's so darn important to you. Yeah, he'll, I'm going right now. Yeah, because he's like, right now? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> but the really funny scene is she like looks around for a bit and then she sees him drive off yes. and she's like he's fleeing the interview he's fleeing the interview <laughs> she was shocked i was shocked i was like i didn't see that happening no but there, there's a really funny part too where she pulls up like his phone and it's one of those phones that you can have multiple lines on or whatever mm -hmm. and she's like oh how do i get a line out <laughs> she's trying to figure out how to use it <laughs> oh gosh some of those phones had so many buttons. My goodness. Yeah, exactly. Now we're back at the cabin. Yeah, it was Stomare and Bushimi. Yeah, Gear was is watching a very staticky TV show that he seems pretty intense with. Which that show has a pre-famous Bruce Campbell in it. That's like one of the first things he oh, ever really? did. Okay. It was like him as a kid. Yeah. Or like a teenager, but yeah, he's watching it very snowy, didn't get good reception, but he's he's like watching it eating cereal or some shit. Yeah, some some on a TV tray. And here comes Carl in, in the front door, all bloody. Yeah. <laughs> like it's running down his shirt at this time. And Gear is all like he doesn't care. No, like, yeah. He, he could care less. Very um, scary, yeah. Uh Carl Bushimi sees Jean is dead. Yeah. And he's like, The fuck happened here? And he's like, She wouldn't stop shrieking. Yeah, she kept screaming or whatever. Very cold, like he just murdered her in cold blood, just didn't give a shit. Yep. He's like, She was annoying me, so I shot her. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, Bushimi's like, Okay, here's your forty thousand. Got my forty thousand. I'm out. Yeah, and then Kier's like, you know what? I think 
uh, I'm going to need half the car. I don't get what he's trying. He's like, <laughs> yeah, here's here's what I was thinking could have happened there. Bushimi is like, how the fuck do you split a car? And he's like, one of us pays the other for it. I'll be like, okay, well, here's what happens then. You pay me for it because I'm going to take it. Let Bushimi wants it. Be like, okay, well, you give me however much money. Right. Um, or Bushimi just swallows his pride and pays him because he's got fucking almost a million dollars still. Yeah, be like, okay, here's here's what, $2,000? Uh, I don't, I don't know, know how much, how much it might have cost been, at the time. But, but Nothing compared to what he had. Nobody is satisfied in this, like Jerry. Greedy. Not happy enough, and, and yeah, they're not happy whatsoever. You can't be greedy. I mean, every time that I've ever been greedy in my life, it has not turned out very well. <laughs> yeah. It just it gets it gets bad. Karma comes back for you, but sure does. Yeah, so Bushimi, making the final mistake of his life, threatens Stomer with his gun. He was like, "I'm taking it." He's like, "Look at my fucking face. Look at what happened. I'm taking that car." Mm-hmm. Which why would you want that car? That's what everybody's looking for now. Yeah, Again, he's, moron. He's stupid, yeah. But he's like, he pull he shows his gun in his belt, his waistband, and he's like, "Are we square?" And then he just walks out. And he walks for a minute, and Peter Stomer charges out of the house with an axe and fucking axes Bushimi. Right in the neck, it looked like. It kind of cut where you didn't see it. Right as the axe is coming down, it cuts, yes. But, yeah, it was definitely the neck, I'm going to say. It's crazy shit. Yeah. So, this is where Francis has a bolo out on Jean. What's a bolo? Bolo is be on the lookout. Oh, okay. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm so good. You're so smart. I didn't know that. I know. I know these things because of um, all the podcasts I listen to oh, on true crime. <laughs> <laughs> and this one's kind of a true crime podcast we're doing here. Yeah, true. Yeah. But she's driving up where that guy had told, where he was like, oh, that guy was looking for mm-hmm. action at the lake. Yeah, she's talking to another cop on like the CB radio thing. And she sees the car. And she's like, there's the car. Yeah, and she's freaking out. She's like, oh my God. Yeah, the guy's like, do you need any assistance up there? Or he says he'll send some cars or something, but she goes in first. Yeah, and she hears something, and she's all, like, on high alert. She gets her gun out. She's Slowly walking around. Yeah, yeah, she's like, oh, this is, nothing's good here. So her spidey senses are going crazy. Yes. The most iconic scene of the movie, probably. Like, this is what everybody was talking about when this movie came out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, and you're right. It's a loud noise that, like, you don't know what it is. The scene, it's was, focusing on her. I was like, maybe it's a chainsaw. Like, it's just like a buzzing. Yeah. Like, I'm like, okay, maybe maybe it's a chainsaw. I didn't remember. Yeah. So this is what I'm thinking as I'm watching it. And she comes across and she sees the ground is all red. Yeah. And there is Peter Stomare, Gare, his name, uh, putting a leg into a wood chipper. <laughs> yeah. And you see there's an arm on the ground, too. So he put some body parts, but he is chopped up. There he is. Like you said in the story, he chopped up Steve Buscemi, and he's putting him in a wood chipper. Yep. Carl is, uh, Carl's all shredded. Which is one of the worst ways you could probably try to get rid of a body. Like, there's DNA everywhere. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what they, in the true crime one, um, there was evidence everywhere. Yeah. I mean, once they found the spot... I mean, there's bone fragments. You mm-hmm. can't get rid of, of a body no matter yeah. what. Even if you burn it, like some some things that I've heard, if you they're like, oh, we'll burn it because you know cremation. Yeah, you still have bones left. There's stuff. Yeah, you, you can you cannot completely get rid of a body. That's the lesson for today for you murderers out there. Yeah, so <laughs> just keep that in mind. We will find you. I'm sure somebody's like, oh yeah. 
Oh, yeah, yeah I know how. Don't no. take that as a challenge. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> Crazy person. True crime. We're just joking. Nothing serious yes, on this podcast. No. This um, is not a how-to. <laughs> <laughs> if um, anything, it's a how-not-to. <laughs> yes, how don't. Well, look at what happens to the characters here in this movie. Um, yeah, so Peter Stomare sees her. She's, like, standing there. She's yelling at him that she's police and to freeze, but he can't hear her over the wood chipper. Mm-hmm. So there's a great shot where she points to her cap, which has, like, the police yeah. on it. She's like, hey! Police! Yeah, and he, run, he runs away, and she shoots and misses, but she does nail him in the leg for the second one. thought this was a little poetic justice because he shot that guy as he was running away. Yes. Uh, yeah. From that car. Oh, yeah. I didn't think he, of that. Unfortunately, he shot him dead, but... Yeah, in the back. Yeah, he got shot in the leg, which, yeah, you know, too bad, but... Marge, Marge isn't fucking killing people. She's taking yeah. people in. She's like, you're, you're going to go down for this, buddy. Yeah. You're and not going to get off easy yeah and then this is this is probably one of my favorite scenes of the movie is where she's just sitting there with him she's driving her car and he's in the police in the back and she's like you killed all those people for what for just a little bit of money mm-hmm. and she's like and it's a nice day out yeah and she's like i don't understand it like what that you know she even says here you are and it's a beautiful day yeah so it's just like there's more to life than money yeah. She's like, there's more than just a little bit of money. Which I'm sure, I mean, if you have money, I'm sure that's great. But if you don't, I mean, you make it. It's okay. There is that funny thing online. It's a picture where it's somebody on Twitter where they're like, money doesn't solve every problem. And somebody mm-hmm. underneath was like, money would literally solve every problem I have right now. Like every single problem. Yeah. <laughs> it helps. But yes, to get it, you're not going to kill people. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, she just, she can't understand it. She's just trying to be like, you know, for, for money. Why? Yeah. So then it cuts. It says outside uh, Bismarck current day. Yeah. So today we're, we're outside of Bismarck. No. Uh, <laughs> it just happened. Yeah. And this is where they find Jerry. Yes. I don't. Did they say his name's Mr. Anderson, I think, or something? Yeah, I guess that's what was his alias. Yeah, I pointed it out to you, but it's so funny because it's the cops and the guy who owns the motel. But he knocks on the door and they're like, Mr. Anderson. And he goes, who? Who? <laughs> he doesn't even know his name. <laughs> Oh, but he tries to climb out the bathroom window. And this is another scene I thought was a little weird. But when he was resisting arrest, they had him on his stomach with his hands behind his back on the bed. And he just kept... And I thought that screaming was a little much. I don't know. It's just his, his life is over. You know, everything that he tried to do, if he didn't do any of this, and I'm sure that's the same for all criminals, you know, if if you just didn't decide to go down this path, this wouldn't be happening. That's true. But they got you for your wife's murder, embezzlement, embezzlement, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, stealing, at least. Your father-in-law's murder. Yeah. All those people, I don't know if they could connect him to that, but, you know, if he hadn't hired these people, like, all these people would still be alive. He's fucked, and Scotty's gonna be fucked, too. I don't know. I think Scotty will be okay. Like he's like his grandfather was like Scotty doesn't have to worry. Maybe he's got some money saved back for him. Oh, so maybe Scotty invests everything. Stan or gets everything. Maybe Stan Grossman takes him in. Oh, that'd be nice. Cause he's the man. Stan the man. Yeah, Scotty grows up under a good hand. <laughs> he's a good father. I bet. I bet Stan's an amazing. Cause he just seems like the the man. Like you said, he's yeah. the greatest. Everyone loves him. <laughs> you came up with that first. And I'm like, I like it. But now Marge and Norm. 
are sitting together and this is where norm says hey i got the three cent stamp my painting got on the three cent stamp yeah, he's bummed out yeah because he didn't get the 29 cent stamp just the three cents um but this is where their relationship is so darn cute where marge is like yeah that's okay because everybody needs those three cent stamps when postage is raised yeah everyone's when... gonna see your postage your your bird yeah so then everybody and he's like really i didn't think of it that way yeah so it's just, you know, always look on the bright side, I think is kind of what they were, were looking at. Just keep doing what, what you want to do and just look on the bright side. The ending here is very ambiguous, I feel, because Norm goes to her like, two more months. And she's like, two more months. Now, what the way I read that is that like, after everything she's seen, she's a little hesitant. To maybe be like, we're going to have a baby a in this fucking yeah. world. Yeah. We're bringing a kid in this world. Oh, I thought it was a weird ending, too, where it just, that's where it ended. Yeah, well, I guess they're kind of good at ending movies kind of strangely, but I, I liked it. I really liked it because everything's kind of wrapped up, but she is, uh, that's the way I read it, is that, like, he's all like, everything's going to be great. And she's like, look at this world that yeah. we were living. Like, what I just saw, my kid is going to now be in this world. Yeah, right. So I took that as, like, a, two more months. <laughs> two more months, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But they're going to be fine. They're a great couple. I, th- I think that everything's going to be great. Yeah, their kids are going to be so amazing. They're going to know how to defend themselves and be nice about it. Her her sher- kid, who becomes a sheriff, I'm assuming, in the future, is going to have to take down Scotty Lundergaard when he goes crazy. That's what I was saying. <laughs> I mean, he's going to have all this money, and he's just going to, you know, really, really deal in the dope at that time. Yeah, her, her son or daughter, whatever she has... We'll have to be take over for sheriff and bring down the drug empire of Scotty Lundergaard. <laughs> That's it. We got the sequel. Fargo two. <laughs> Fargoer. <laughs> Fargo the distance. <laughs> Fargo harder. Oh. Um, I'm sure you probably could tell in this movie that I love this movie. It's so great. Yeah, it is good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think there was a couple parts that I yelled out because I was probably when somebody got shot, I was like, ah, yeah. Um, but yeah, overall it was really good. Um, I didn't have a worst part. I think it all works together very well. I didn't care for the weird moments that I, I pointed out. Yeah. Um, my favorite part is probably the Mike Yanagita scene just cause it is so damn awkward. <laughs> Is so strangely, and that guy's delivery of "You're such a super lady" makes me laugh so hard. Or, or my favorite scene is probably when she's sitting with him in the cop car at the end. Offer a little mm-hmm. bit of money. Yeah, those are good. Did you have any work? You said just the worst parts where you're the one you mentioned. Yeah, the ones that I mentioned that were just kind of like, "Why was this here? I don't understand." Just kind of the weird things. Um, my favorite, I would have to say, is when uh, Jean is sitting knitting, just doing her probably normal stay-at-home mom thing. And uh, that's when Carl was on the back porch with his ski mask trying to break in. That was... Yeah, very funny. I just thought it was just kind of a... <laughs> she was just so shocked. It was just kind of a weird, funny moment. Yeah, very funny, very strange kind of moment. Yeah, so... Well, great. I really enjoyed that. I really love that movie quite a bit. Yeah, me too. What do we have next week? We have a, a kind of a funny mystery movie called The Nice Guys. Oh, Nice Guys. It's 
amazing. I showed you a scene one time, and you'll kind of maybe remember it, but it's got Russell Crowe, and it's got Ryan Gosling. Okay. And it's set in the 70s. They're both, like, Russell Crowe is an ex-cop. He's a a private investigator, so is Ryan Gosling investigating, like, a big case. It is amazing. It's so funny, and it's got good mystery kind of twists and turns in there, so... Very excited. Hopefully people like the... It's a good comedy movie. Love it. Can't wait. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, we're also on Tumblr and Twitter, but not as often as Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Um, you can email us at thefilmobsessedcouple at gmail.com. Pretty much about anything you want. Uh, if you have movies, recommendations, you want to tell us how good or bad we are that would be great we would love some feedback and please rate share review all of those things really help us out and we greatly appreciate everybody listening yep thank you guys very much until the nice guys we will see you then thank you <laughs>